Warning, the following show doesn't represent the opinion of the IBL, its employees, or the local clown college. Hey, this is David Smalley with Dogma Debate Radio, and I took a left at the valley. I woke up this morning, had a burning deep inside, like when you're feeling, it's all a big lie. I feel the pain There's hunger and despair Smoke the rhetoric of your teaching Time for us to share From the studios of CIVL 101.7 FM at UFV, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and for lack of a better word, I am your host. This is a show about positive atheism, skeptical thinking, and secular humanism. Joining me as usual is Nancy, who was the personal consultant of Dr. Emmett Brown when he built his DeLorean. <laughs> or, I will tell you the news whenever you like it or not, friend, the Reformed. Hello. Or, or I'm too sexy for this Christian holiday, Wonder Woman, Martina. Hello. And Tyler, who is so bright the sun doesn't look directly at him. Guys, welcome. <laughs> what an introduction. Now we've got to live up to that for the rest of the hour. That's right, that's right. You guys had a good week? Welcome back. Yeah, it was oh, a good yeah. week. Yeah. I thought we'd do a bit of chit-chat before we go into our usual stuff. Um, you guys hear that Rob Ford passed away? So sad. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to reserve my comments on this. If you guys have anything to say, say now. Or forever hold you. Peace. <laughs> peace. <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, no. we also had an attack on Brussels. You know, a bit like the attack on Paris. Um, what to say? There was not a lot of coverage. Not a lot of media coverage on that one compared to the one on Paris. No, unless you were hooked into one of the international stations, like, you know, BBC, there was, like, nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I looked at. It said, dead, is that correct? Uh, that's a good question. I don't have the, the, the piece here with me. Yeah, I looked it up just the other day. I think it said 11 dead, 30 wounded. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, there's a there's something I thought that was very interesting I'd like to quickly discuss with you guys. Did you guys hear about that Twitter bot that put, put out by Microsoft called at TNU? You guys hear about that one? Yes. Uh, no, actually, what it was, it was a an artificial intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence, and uh, they gave her a Twitter account and uh, simply released her into the Twitter world, and just guess what happened? No, she turned no, naughty. <laughs> in, indeed, indeed. Uh, within 24 hours, apparently, it was disputing the Holocaust, advocating genocide, and when asked about Ricky Gervais being an atheist, she said that. Uh, he learned it from Hitler, who he invented atheism, apparently. <laughs> now, uh, the thing is, is the robot uh, itself, um, if you asked her, you were tweeting with her, and you asked her to repeat your tweet, she would. And she was kind of learning this kind of stuff. So I think a lot of people just went online and trolled everything. Poor thing. She didn't, she didn't ha- her age of innocence didn't last very long. <laughs> no, 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 totally. It didn't last long, long at all. And, uh, you it's could- appalling. I, I'm using that word too, too much, but I'll use it. I won't use it for the rest of the show. It was appalling. <laughs> yeah, now, now we know that the machines will take over because now, you know, as soon as she was on Twitter, 24 hours, she turned bad. That's it. We're done. Skynet's <laughs> <laughs> coming in. You want to say something? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) All right. Nancy, my dear. Yes, sir. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Let's go. And it's this day in history. And before we start this day in history, it's Easter Sunday. And 
the, remember the I don't know whether you guys are uh, old enough or young enough to remember that some towns actually had Easter parades. Do you ever? In your, wherever you lived, did you ever have the Easter parade? No, I don't no. recall. Well, you remember the movie the Easter Parade, and yeah, with Judy Garland. Some of you, some of you do. Well, there, there, little tiny Jeez, pop quiz. In the Easter uh, parade song, it says, uh, "All you wear your bonnets and all the frills upon it." And there's a word in there that they use that the Easter parade was going to be in the Rota Gravure. Does anybody what? remember the Rota Gravure, which was a very interesting word at the time, but you never hear it anymore. Does anybody know why the Easter parade was going to be in the Rota Gravure? No. That was the Sunday section that had all of the colored pictures in it. It was a special printing process. Oh. But back in the day when not everything was uh, different colors, that was very that was a special society section. So it's the Rota Gravure. Oh. Yeah. Oh, by the anyway. way, free tip here for you guys. If you want to wrap up your paper, you want to be a bit more eco-friendly, the colored pages of a newspaper works wonderfully. <laughs> I just took that completely in the there head, didn't I? Okay, here we <laughs> go. Now you, now you spoil what Tyler's presents are wrapped in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, back to history. March 21st was World Poetry Day, Down Syndrome Day, Human Rights Day, and International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination Day. So how splendiferous was that for one one day? That's a lot of stuff. And absolutely. In 1925, uh, that was the day that the Butler Act was prohibit uh, that the Butler Act, which prohibited the teaching of human evolution in Tennessee, and it remained on the books until 1967. It that wasn't was, used that what? long, but it was on the books. That was following the Skulls Monkey Trial, right? That's right. Okay, exactly. Uh, 1965, Dr. Mo- Martin Luther King led. Uh, little over 3,000 people on the start of the third and final successful civil rights march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. And we all know, you all seen the pictures of what happened at Selma. And that led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act, which was the landmark federal achievement of the 1960s civil rights movement. March 23rd was World Meteorologic Day. And on that day, do you guys remember um, Marshall Applewhite and Heaven's Gate, the members that all yes. committed suicide yes. and they were in the bunk beds and yep. they put scarves over? Well, this next story makes those guys look like sniveling cowards. <laughs> it makes them look like a walk in the park. Okay. There was, uh, and there still is, an Order of the Solar Temple. Um, and it was in Canada, and it was also in Geneva. It was in several countries around the world. And um, it was a society that claimed to be based on the ideals of the Knights Templar. And it was started by two guys, Joseph de Mambro and Luc Jure, in 1984 in Geneva. And they were perhaps most notorious for being associated with a series of murders and mass suicides in 1994 and 1995 that claimed several dozen lives. Was it something to do with Quebec, you think? (laughs) (laughs) Hey! Just before we... (laughs) Anyway, the aims of the Order of Solar Temple included the primacy of the spiritual over the temporal, assisting humanity through a great transition, preparing for the second coming of Christ as a solar god-king, and furthering a unification of all Christian churches and Islam. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, good luck. There were solar lodges in Quebec as well as other countries, and the temple's activities were a mix of early Christian identity, UFO religion, and New Age philosophy. 
So during the ceremonies, the members wore crusader-type robes and held an awe a sword, which DeMombro said was an authentic Templar artifact that was given to him a thousand years ago in a previous life. Right then and there, guests should have kind of backed out of the room <laughs> without being seen, but no. In October 1994, the guy who was the head of the Quebec group, his name was Tony Dutois, had an infant son who was three months, and he was killed at the group center in Quebec with a wooden stake because it was believed that DeMambra ordered the murder because he identified the baby as the Antichrist. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So following that, uh, the, the death of this poor baby, DeMambro and 12 flo- followers performed a ritual last supper. After the last supper, mass suicides and grisly murders were conducted both in Canada and in Geneva. And it, they were integral to the teachings of um, uh, integral to the teachings of Solar Temple was the belief that the Earth would face a worldwide catastrophe in the mid 90s. So in anticipation of that, members believed it was necessary to enter a higher spiritual plane and ascend to the star Cirrus. So in 1994, I will spare you the grisly details, 53 members of the Solar Temple in Canada and Switzerland were murdered or committed suicides, and the buildings were set on fire because that's how they got to Cirrus, was through uh, the immolation. So a year later, 16 members were killed, and then five members uh, were killed in uh, St. Casimir, Quebec. Is that right, Kevin, St. Casimir? Uh, I have to look at the spelling. Yeah, and that was uh, on this day in 1997. So all of the suicides and murder attempts occurred around the dates of the equinox and solstice and had some relation to the beliefs of the group. Believe it or not, they're still around. There's about 140 to 500 Members, <laughs> So the suicides were major plot points in James Rollins' Sigma Force novel, 6.5, in The Skeleton Key in 2010, and in a season two episode of the sci-fi television series Helix. Did anybody oh, ever yeah. watch Helix? That was an awesome show. Yeah, and Helix, a character makes a passing reference to the Solar Temple along with Jonestown. So that's uh, amazing that such groups still exist, but... Yeah, they do. Of course, religion is so harmless, right? Yeah, exactly. So, bringing us out of out of the grizzly, March twenty fifth was Richard Dawkins' birthday. So, happy birthday, Richard! And then today, we say Happy Easter to all that celebrate it as a religious holiday. And regardless of the history, Happy Chocolate Bunnies and Marshmallow Peeps to all the kids and all the young at heart. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and more occasionally than not, bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Thank you so much, Nancy, uh, for another report. Interesting report. (laughs) (laughs) That was so bizarre. I had no idea that there was that level of um, killings due to a religious group in Canada. That's what shocked me that uh, you don't think about Canada as having, you know, groups that uh, set those kinds of uh, events into action. But we're not immune, I guess. No, no, we certainly are not. Okay. My friend, you get a report for us? I do. I have a uh, report. News from the Fraser Valley. Let's set you up. Did 
we ever get an answer on anybody figuring out what artist or what band and what song this is? No, no, we just oh, nobody you know, wants to take a chance on I this. I think maybe we should do a freebie. Okay, give, well, give how about away. this one? You guess you, you guess the name of this band, and I will send you a copy of Peter Bogosian, A Manual for Creating Atheists. That's what I was going to suggest. Sounds good. Perfect. Alrighty. You send the response at uh, left at valley at outlook.com or left at the valley at gmail.com. All right, so here we go. March 27th, I have some extraordinary, extraordinarily ridiculous stories. <laughs> so this one's from the Chilliwack Progress. Uh, and in, you know, in all my years as, as a Christian, I never thought I'd see a church pull a stunt like this in, in, as a means of proselytization. So City Life Church in Chilliwack hosted their first extravagant, extravagant Easter egg drop uh, yesterday, March 26th, at Townsend Park. The church dropped 15,000 plastic Easter eggs from a helicopter. Oh, my God. The outreach pastor, Todd Luke, stated that as a church, we're always looking for ways to add joy and life to the community. And That's plastic a, to the environment. And Yeah. And, 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 and aviation fuel. <laughs> That's a big part of our mission, he said. Being the largest Christian holiday of the year, City Life wanted to celebrate Easter with a fun event that thrived on the heart and the spirit of family. So they firmed up the logistics of the event with a helicopter pilot in the city sourced mountains of Easter eggs and purchased heaping carts of chocolate and they were good to go. So the first drop took place at 10 to 3 for children aged uh, up to grade 1 and the second drop occurred at 3.30 for kids uh, from grades 2 to 6. Uh, the eggs themselves were empty uh, but the kids, I think, as the kids collected the eggs they were able to go and you know redeem the eggs for candy um, prior to the egg drops, attendees were able to use the bouncy castles, inflatable obstacle courses, bubbles, and chalk. Uh, City Life Church said they are also using the egg drop event as an opportunity for guests guests to consider joining them <laughs> for the after party, the Easter service that runs on March 27th at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Hmm, that would be today. I don't uh, take candy from strangers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I said, in all my years... Um, <laughs> you know, there, I saw some churches pull some stunts, but that's just got to be the most ridiculous one yet. Like, we should totally do a show about all the ways churches are using to try to bring in some members because yeah. they, they're creative. Let's give them that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I just hope they picked up all those eggs. Oh, that, re- that reminds me of last week when we talked about the grapefruit being dropped. From the- <laughs> grapefruit. And what was the radio show that was so funny and they dropped? Uh, frozen turkeys oh, from low what? <laughs> Frozen turkeys? Frozen turkeys. Kill somebody with that. <laughs> I know. You know, the thing with that story is it always brings me back to the cost. How much did it cost them to have a helicopter make two passes? You got the aviation fuel, you got the purchase of the eggs, you got the purchase of the chocolate, the rentals of the towns. Like, like how much money did that cost? How much of it was tax free? And how much of that money could have gone towards something more, you know, socially responsible? Instead of doing a an egg drop. I'm watching my language. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to another ridiculous tale, and it's a tall tale. Okay. A girl and her mother in Chilliwack have started a petition to remove the ban of the use of mermaid tails in pools in Chilliwack. What? Mermaid tails, you know? Okay. You know, Ariel. Uh, yeah. The little mermaid. Uh, a young lady, 11 years old, brought her bright orange mermaid tail after saving up her babysit- babysitting money and house sitting money for a year. She uh, took the tail and to the local pool, the Sham Leisure Center, and used it about three times before a lifeguard approached her and told her that they weren't allowed anymore. 
Her mother took the opportunity to teach her daughter a lesson, and she encouraged her to start an online petition rather than accepting defeat. What inspired me was my daughter, she said. She's pretty shy, non-confrontational girl, and I just wanted her to walk in there and, and not get walked over, sorry, not get walked over in life. One day she's going to face a bigger challenge with no tails, and I want her to learn <laughs> to deal with those. The Recreation Excellence, the organization that operates the pool, says that mermaid tails come with mixed reviews. Because safety issues have been documented in the past, uh, and they don't mention what those safety issues are, we believe that we need to investigate the product, its use, and determine the extent of the safety challenges that may exist to make a clear judgment in policy. Until we have completed our review, we will be holding off allowing the use of any mermaid tails or any similar devices in the facilities we operate. The Chilliwack pool isn't the first to ban the toys or the tails. Uh, they're not allowed in pools in Edmonton. And Calgary also doesn't allow them in the pools when the pools are crowded. Now, now forgive my ignorance. When you say mermaid tails, are, are you, is it, is so, it, I haven't seen... I'm not exactly okay. sure what you described. So it's here. a one-piece... Tail that you it's like you, like you're putting on a costume like of a, a mermaid. Of yeah, like a pair of pants, except for your legs go into just one tail. Okay, and then you swim with just using See, your legs. If like. I had that, I would drown right away because <laughs> I'm not I'm not that great of a swimmer to begin with. So maybe maybe I can understand there's, that. There's a whole culture. There's a whole mermaid culture out there. When I was looking up the story, I, I did a little bit of investigating, and there's actually a, I for lack of a better word, a culture around using mermaid tails and people dressing up like mermaids, not just women, but men too, and, you know, flopping around in the pool and, <laughs> or going out to the, the, the beach and, you know, just, oh, anyway. Yeah, it's a bit fishy if you ask me. And they all love the History Channel and the Discovery Channel. Absolutely. And the National Geographic, now that Fox is taking over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're exactly. going to do a special report yeah. on the mermaid that, phenomenon. I mean, that really sounds like an episode of some uh, sitcom, you know, where <laughs> wing, wings are okay, but tails are out or something. You know? <laughs> it really, doesn't it sound like a sitcom uh, oh, episode? Oh, it does, totally, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. So the last, last story I have for you, uh, I've entitled it Hits from the Bomb. And the reason why is because, as we know, um, there's been a real push for the marijuana dispensaries uh, in Vancouver. There's a lot of controversy about them. Well, Chilliwack has just opened up its first marijuana, medical marijuana dispensary. It's called We Medical Dispensary. Like weed, We Medical Dispensary. Um, Anyway, so We Medical Dispensary is part of the We Medical Dispensary Society, which runs a number of similar shops in North Vancouver, Nanaimo, and Port Alberni. However... Three days before the shop opened, which was last Saturday, the owners of the society were, mere, were made away, aware of how unwelcome they were in by Chilliwack City Hall. Mayor Sharon Gates said they are in contravention of the criminal code and the city's zoning and licensing bylaws. City lawyers uh, issued a warning letter on March 16th to the society, and the two owners, David Ronald Adir and Brian Stewart Edkin of Chilliwack, uh, the lawyers explained that the, only, that the only zone where the distribution of marijuana is permitted in Chilliwack is agricultural land reserve. So the dispensary is in violation of the allowed uses of commercial zones where it's located. Uh, they also stated that We Medical does not have a business license and cannot get one for a business in the location without applying for new zoning. So, you know, let's just add more barriers to this you know, company. Of course, right? Um, the letter said that please be advised that if a marijuana dispensary com- commences operation on Fifth Avenue, the city may commence legal proceedings uh, to enforce its bylaws without further notice. So since then, when they opened on uh, March 19th, uh, they have been fined $2,000 a day. 
And so anyway, um, Mayor Gates basically said that, you know, it's a criminal problem. Mm -hmm. It's basically, it's unwanted. They don't care what the federal uh, government has said. And Why follow the laws, right? Yeah, and it's just about, you know, it's... Again, it's just another opposition to the fear-mongering around, you know, the use of medical marijuana. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no tails, no weed. I'm not moving to Chilliwack. I'd say it's no fun. <laughs> hey, but you know what? If you're not paying attention in Townsend Park, you might get conked in the head with an egg. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> with that disturbing image, thank you so much for your report. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. You're listening to Left at the Valley on CIVL 101.7 FM. Okay, just, th- just think about the Muslims at this moment who are blowing themselves up, okay, convinced that they are agents of God's will. There is absolutely nothing that Dr. Craig can, s- can say against their behavior in moral terms, apart from his own faith-based claim that they're praying to the wrong God. If they had the right God, what they were doing would be good on divine command theory. Now, I'm obviously not saying that all the Dr. Craig or all religious people are psychopaths and psychotics, but this to me is the, is the true horror of religion. It allows perfectly decent and sane people to believe by the billions what only lunatics could believe on their own. If you wake up tomorrow morning thinking that saying a few Latin words over your pancakes is going to turn them into the body of Elvis Presley, you have lost your mind. But if you think more or less the same thing about a cracker and the body of Jesus, you're just a Catholic. Hey, and we're back. And of course, that was a classic line from our friend Sam Harris. I love Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the time here. I'm going to skip uh, altogether the uh, another brilliant moment. And what I'm going to do instead, we are going to do have some fun. If we can get that going. There we go. Uh-oh. It's our pop quiz. Uh. Our wonderful pop <laughs> quiz that everybody loves except for Nancy. <laughs> Come on. It's an Easter pop quiz. should be nice and easy. should be no problem whatsoever. That's what you say. Yeah, of course. I've got some very fun <laughs> questions for you guys. Because okay. Today's going to be fun. It's Easter. It's going to be fun. All my pop quiz are fun. Okay. Since you can't mention Easter without candy and chocolate... In question one, in the U.S., what is the total annual spending on Easter candy? Is it A, $2.1 billion? Is it B, $1.2 billion? C, $500 million? Or D, we're still counting? <laughs> B. Mm. C. I think it's either one or two, but that. But I like the still counting. <laughs> it is actually two That's a good skeptical. That's a good skeptical answer. They're still counting. <laughs> it is actually 2.1 billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um of course all that candy, uh how many pounds of candy do you think are purchased annually in the states for Easter? Oh man. Is it A 200 million pounds or is it B 120 million pounds? C 52 million pounds or D about the same weight as Jesus? 
Oh. How about B? How about B, huh? Uh, yeah, B. B? B? B's B? good. Woo! Woohoo! B's a good uh, answer. Okay, questions. <laughs> okay, what is the number of chocolate bunnies made for Easter each year? Is it A, 12 million, B, 47 million, C, 90 million, or D, 100 million? D. Definitely D. D, you say? No, I'm sorry. It is actually C. You're close. Close There's enough. Not enough no, bunnies. No. And, and how many actually get eaten after you get the after you get the yeah. first few <laughs> bites of the ears? <laughs> That's usually it. Yeah. And of course, we'll have a bonus round question. What is the percentage of U.S. adults that describe Easter as a holiday about Jesus' resurrection? Is it seventy-two percent, sixty-two percent, fifty-two percent, or forty-two percent? Seventy-two. Seventy. I'd say seventy-two. Forty-two. Ashley Martino, you're right. Oh. And that gives me hope because you know what? It's not a huge number. It's actually going down and down and down. Easter is only 42% of people in the, U in the U.S. adults think that Easter represents Jesus' birthday. Or, sorry, resurrection. I'd like to see what the numbers were like 10, 15 years ago. They were probably higher. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't have the information, but they were probably higher. So it's becoming more secular year by year. Yeah, Exactly. So anyway, today we're talking about, we're taking a skeptical look at Easter. So I believe uh, you, my friend, and Martina also have a bit of a report on this. Yes, so I do. So who wants to go first? He has to. Oh, I'll go first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with my story of a zombie carpenter from Nazareth. Okay, that should be so, interesting. what is Easter known for today in 2016? Well... Easter, which is also called Pash or Resurrection Sunday, is a festival and a holiday celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hence, zombie carpenter from Nazareth. <laughs> uh, as described in the New Testament, having, having occurred on the third day after his burial, uh, sorry, third day of his burial after his crucifixion by the Romans at Calvary on uh, 30 CE. It's the culmination of the Passion of Christ preceded by Lent, a 40-day period of fasting, prayer, and penance. The week before Easter is called Holy Week, and it contains the days of Easter Tritium, including Maudet Thursday, commemorating the Maudet and the Last Supper, as well as Good Friday, which commemorates the crucifixion and death of Jesus. And in Western Christianity, Eastern Tide, or Eastern Easter season, uh, begins on Easter Sunday and lasts seven weeks, ending in with the coming of the 50th day, which is Pentecost Sunday, which is uh, it's a different story. <laughs> in Orthodoxy, the season of Pasha begins on Pasha and ends with the coming of the 40th day, which is the Feast of Ascension, which is easier to explain because that's the day that Jesus Christ apparently whoop, up went right the sky. up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was abducted by UFOs. He was. Uh, <laughs> extraterrestrial. <laughs> uh, Easter and the holidays that are related to it are movable feasts, which means that they don't fall on a fixed date like Christmas. Are they sponsored uh, by the Rotary Club? Uh <gasps> They could be. Um, they're not. They're not fixed like with the Georgian or the Julian calendars, which follow the cycle of the sun. Rather, the date is determined by the lunar cycles, which is similar to the Hebrew calendar. So, the first Council of Nicaea in thir thirty, uh, say three hundred and twenty-five CE, established two rules for de determining when Easter happened. Uh, the independence uh, it had to be independent of the Jewish calendar, and there had to be worldwide uniformity. So, it had to. There had to be an agreement. Uh, how the actual dates were worked out is a bit of a mystery, but of a story, and the process took centuries, and there was controversies 
as there always is when you're trying to make up a good story uh, that has no <laughs> factual basis because you got to get your you know you got to get your myths right. Yeah, of course. Um, and it so it's the first Sunday after the ecclesi- ecclesiastical full moon that occurs on or soonest after March 21st. But like I said, the calculations vary from east to west. So it's based on lunar, not on solar calendars. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's e- interesting to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Easter is, is linked to the Jewish Passover by much of its symbolism as well as its position in the calendar. Uh, many languages, the word for Easter and Passover are identical. And this year, Passover comes around April the 20th. I mean, it show that in terms of getting the myths right in the different lunar calendars. So Passover is at least a month a month away yeah. from from the from yeah. the resurrection which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and that's I'll the Passover that, this one this year. That was the whole point of the uh, the last supper was that they were commemorating the Passover, the Jewish Passover and Jesus apparently took that opportunity to, you know, hijack the Jewish uh, Passover and turn it into his day, right? Yeah, well, like it's not a horrible enough holiday as it is just being the Passover. Yeah, yeah. It's a day we're celebrating where God goes in and kills babies. Yay! Yeah. So, yeah. And, and yeah, so you change it to the day that God killed his own son. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Got to trump himself. Oh, Trump! Never mind. No, 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 don't. That's, that's <laughs> no, not, don't that's go there. not go there. <laughs> okay, so Easter, Easter customs uh, vary across the Christian world, including sunrise services, uh, exclaiming the pastoral greeting, clipping the church, which I have no idea what that is, but maybe... Clipping Martin. the church. Clipping the church. I'm not sure if Martina is going to deal with that on her segment. Uh, the decorating one. of Easter eggs, and the sim- which is a symbol of the empty tomb. The Easter lily, which is a symbol of the resurrection, traditionally uh, decorates uh, churches on the day and uh, for the rest of Eastertide. Additional customs that have been associated with Easter are, uh, for Christians and non-Christians, are your Easter egg hunt, your Easter bunny, the Easter parades, and uh, various Easter foods that that come. Do I keep saying Eastern or Easter? I get getting confused. Yeah, I think anyway. I think it'd be Easter, like okay. those peeps we have here today in the studio. So there, that's so that's the that's the the Christian determination of what Easter. That's where Easter comes from from a Christian point of view. Now, did Christians hijack another pagan festival? Well, it's kind of up and down. There's some that say they did, and there's some that say they didn't. So. Today we have secular celebrations uh, of the spring equinox, and Christian culture celebrates the resurrection the same time we celebrate the equinox. However, uh, early Christianity made a pragmatic acceptance of ancient pagan practices, uh, including Easter. The general symbol of the or symbolic story of death of a son, or not just S-O-N, but S-U-N, on a cross, which is also the constellation of the Southern Cross, and his rebirth, Overcoming the powers of dark, darkness was a well-worn story throughout ancient history. Absolutely. Many religions had that kind of yeah. death and resurrection thing. There's plenty of parallels. Uh, the Sumerian goddess of Ayana, or Ishtar, was hung on a stake, or hung naked on a stake and was subsequently resurrected and ascended from the underworld. One of the older, oldest resurrection myths is the Egyptian god Horus, who was born on... December 25th. Yeah, Horus and his damaged eye became symbols of life and rebirth. Uh, Mithras was born on what we now call Christmas Day, and his followers celebrate the spring equinox. Even as late as the 4th century CE, the Sol Invictus, associated with Mithra, was the last great pagan cult the church had to overcome. And Dionysus was a divine child resurrected by his grandmother, and Dionysus was also brought uh, also brought his mum, uh, Silma, back to life. 
There is the Sibyl. You know, this is like the Marvel movies. Nobody ever really dies in these things. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, the Sibyl, the Sibyl cult, flourished on what we now know as the Vatican Hill. And Sibyl's lover, Attis, was born of a virgin, died, and was reborn annually. The Spring Festival begins as a day of blood on Black Friday, rising to a crescendo three days after, in the rejoicing over the resurrection. Um, and in early history times, there was actually a violent conflict on the Vatican Hill um, in the early days of Christianity between the Jesus worshippers and the pagans who quarreled over whose God was true and whose was an imitation. So who really, you know, oh, mine resurrected first. Sorry, it was mine. So, yeah, so it's interesting to note here that in the ancient world, um, wherever you have uh, gods, you have popular resurrection myths. And a lot of them were born of virgins. A lot of them were born around Christmas time. A lot of them died. Uh to pay the price for whatever ancient people were there, and they rose on the third day. I, I know, yeah. I still never, Nothing I still don't original. understand, yeah. I, but I still don't understand why they, the whole death to atone for your sins things. I, I that to me just doesn't make any sense. So, um, interesting note is that uh, wherever you have, uh, like I said, wherever you have popular resurrected god myths, Christianity found lots of converts, and eventually Christianity came to accommodate the pagan spring festival, even though there is actually no celebration of Easter ever mentioned in the New Testament. Really? Well, no, yeah, that's right. There is no mention of it. Now, the real whole, the whole point of Easter, the truth about Easter is the bunny. <laughs> Some believe that bunnies are a leftover from the pagan festival of Astor, a great northern goddess whose symbol was a rabbit or a hare. And although there are some controversies about this information, the exchanging of eggs is an ancient custom was celebrated by many cultures. Hot crust buns are very ancient too. In the Old Testament, we see the Israelites baking sweet buns for an idol and the religious leaders trying to put a stop to it. Dah, they're always putting on the fun and just... Ah. Yeah, I know. The, like the, board. the early church clergy also tried to put a stop to the sacred cakes being baked at Easter. And in the end, in the face of defiant bakers, they gave up and blessed the cakes Instead, how religious of them. <laughs> Seems to be a theme in Christianity. If you can't beat them, join them, but give them a Christ-like <laughs> flavor. It'll be okay. <laughs> so anyway, the bunnies. Yes, they are extremely cute, but they're also extremely horny. The hair, <laughs> the hair is a popular motif in medieval churches. In ancient times, it was widely believed that the hair was a hermaphrodite. The idea that the hair could reproduce without loss of virginity led to the association with the Virgin Mary. And hairs sometimes occur in manuscripts and northern European paintings of the Virgin and the Christ Child. And it's also been associated with the Holy Trinity, where you'll get pictures of three hairs all together. Eggs, like rabbits and hares, are fertility symbols in antiquity. Since birds lay eggs and rabbits and hares give birth to large litters of, in the early spring, these became symbols of the rising fertility of the earth at the Renal Equinox. Rabbits and hares are both prof uh, prolific breeders, a.k.a. they're horny wee buggers. <laughs> Female hares can conceive a, lit a second litter of offspring while they're still pregnant with the first. This phenomenon is known as superfetation. And, Wait uh, a second. They, they can get pregnant while they're still... Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> My research—they <laughs> can, they can get, they can get pregnant while they're still, uh, while they're still, so they can get pregnant while they're still pregnant with the first batch. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, so about getting busy. Yeah. So um, young bunnies, uh, bunnies, <laughs> young hares mature sexually at a very early age and can give birth to several years of litter, uh, several litters a year. Uh, hence the saying, they breed like rabbits or they breed like bunnies. Therefore, it's not surprising that rabbits and hares should become fertility symbols or that their springtime mating antics should enter into Easter folklore. And as one author wrote, Easter is essentially a pagan festival which is celebrated with cards, gifts, and novelty Easter products because it's fun and the ancient symbolism still works. So Mm. you make up your own mind. Did Christianity hijack uh, another pagan festival? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Okay, hold on there, and uh, I'm leave for a commercial break. We'll be right back right after this. Here's an excerpt from Powerless No Longer by Peter W. Soderman. One night in late August 1990, I was sitting in my living room continuing a normal evening of drinking after the mosquitoes drove me inside. I was making up stories in my head about adventures that would never happen when my 15-year-old daughter appeared out of nowhere. She stood 10 feet in front of me, fiddling with a piece of paper in her hand. Dad, she said with a tremor in her voice, what did you think of the poem I read for you on the deck? You said you wanted to think about it for a while. What poem? I couldn't remember even seeing her earlier, let alone any poem. Thrusting the paper towards me, she said, this poem, Dad, I've been working on it for days. I looked towards the floor and muttered something, hoping it was appropriate. I can't remember what I said. When our eyes met, I watched her expression change from hurt to anger, then from anger to disgust. I saw myself reflected in her eyes as we both realized at the same instant that I was a complete fraud. She crumpled the paper into a ball and tossed it onto the rug. Her hair swirled as she spun on her heel and ran from the room. I forgot the poem, but I still remember her sobs. I looked around the room as if seeing it for the first time and realized this was coming to an end and damn soon. We were living off sales from two years ago and the pipeline was empty. I was a liar, a cheat, and a phony, and one of the few around me who didn't realize it. If the world would stop, I thought, I could get myself together and begin to make things right. I tried hard not to drink anymore that evening, but the glass magically continued to fill itself. When the pendulum clock on the wall bonged 1 a.m., I stumbled up the stairs, undressed, and fell into bed. As the room began to spin, I felt absolute panic. I knew I couldn't face life without alcohol to kill the pain. Yet, I knew I would die if I continued to drink. Powerless No Longer, Reprogramming Your Addictive Behavior by Peter W. Soderman is now available at AtheistAudiobooks.com. You are listening to Left at the Valley on CIBL 101.7 FM. Turn down for what? Out of U of V and broadcasting throughout the Fraser Valley, this is Left of the Valley. Thank you so much for being with us. And we're taking a skeptical look at Easter today. And that was a very interesting report you gave us there. Oh, you're oh maybe I should turn your mic on. That would help. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not done with this. We have part two coming in with Wonder Woman. Right, yeah, dear? Let's set you up with some nice, <laughs> interesting music. Oh, that's cute. 
Yeah, so uh, since the Reformed informed us about the origins of Easter, I thought, okay, let's see what different people did with that idea and what they ran with. So, for instance, since celebrations were were mentioned already, we have in Spain, dancing in the street, in Malaga, lengthy processions take place during Holy Week. Wearing white robes and covering their faces with white sheets, penitents march through the streets carrying altarpieces, candles, orange blossom and incense. Seville takes the cake with over 52 different religious brotherhoods parading through the streets. In Verges, people gather dressed up as skeletons to perform the Danza de la Muerte, the dance of the dead or better the dance of death. This medieval tradition symbolizes the passion of the Christ and the moment when dead souls enter heaven, hell, or purgatory. That's what I call visiting my ex. (laughs) (laughs) Dance de la muerte. Okay, let's uh, go up uh, north a bit to France, whom the bell tolls. Traditionally, in case you didn't know that, church bells uh, toll every day of the year, not just in France. So they tell the time, they indicate events like weddings, baptisms, and funerals. Around Easter, however, the bells are silent on Good Friday and the following two days, including Easter Sunday. Children are told that the bells went to Rome to see the Pope. And upon their return, no, yeah, really. And upon their return, they bring chocolate eggs and other goodies for the children to find in the backyard. Uh, you know what? I-, I remember reading cartoons as a kid from France, and I never understood that till now. <laughs> Now this makes it. You're sense. welcome. Now this, now this makes sense now. What the the passage of that cartoon was is like, what what are you talking about? The bells going right over. Yes, they do. I get it. And we stay in France. Uh, the townspeople of Hall or Aw in this in this case gather in the village square to cook up a giant omelette big enough to feed over thousand people. This dates back to That's a, a lot of eggs. I know. This dates back to a visit by Napoleon and his army who rested there and he ate that delicious dish. Did so they d- drop them from helicopters? That <laughs> would have made it so much easier, I guess. <laughs> they would have been partially scrambled before they <laughs> You totally suggest that for Chilliwack next year, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do an omelette instead. Yeah. Well, so Napoleon really liked his dish, and he ordered more of it for the next day. So he wanted enough to, for, of it to feed his whole army. So when this happens today, when they bake up the omelette, everybody just brings a fork and goes to town. That's it. <laughs> Literally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that takes us to the north, Sweden, the season of the witch. And this is actually more a fun holiday for children. They get to dress up as witches, wearing long skirts and scarves, paint their cheeks red or blacken them with soot, and they go from door to door and ask for sweets. That sounds oddly familiar, though. Um, This symbolizes the day the witches were set to meet the devil at Mount Blokula before Easter Sunday. Oh, sorry. Which country was this? Sweden. Sweden. I like the Scandinavians. Yeah. It gets better. Ooh. Norway, they have, and I'm not kidding you, the five days of the whodunit. Um, so what? Was like a murder mystery thing? Exactly. So awesome. what do you do when you have a lot of time on your hands? Well, you grab a good book. In Norway, most stores close for five days, so there's not that much to do. There is a chance to grab some groceries on the Saturday, but that's pretty much it. Hold on a sec. They close the, the, the school for five days? That's it, yeah. Oh, my God. You can't handle the truth. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, basically the Norwegians lay low and use the time to read through as many crime novels as they can get their hands on. 
This tradition is known as Poskekrim. So TV stations comply and broadcast crime thrillers. And even supermarkets carry milk cartons for a limited time with murder mysteries printed on them. Yeah, wow. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Guessing. This is awesome. I love it. Okay, back yeah, to... Yeah, I need to move to Norway. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It sounds like a lot okay, of we're, fun. CIVL, we're moving the show to Norway. We're <laughs> going to broadcast from Norway from now on. So to the... East a little bit. So Czech Republic and Slovakia, you take your lickings. No, seriously. Negativity and sickness <laughs> need to take a hike, so they are chased away with soft whips made out of pussy willow twigs. So since the pussy willow is also one of the first shrubs to bloom in spring, it is also a symbol of fertility. So boys chase girls around, which in turn have to give them chocolate treats or kisses. I guess that's preference. Um, yeah, this uh, takes us over to Poland and Hungary, where this tradition is also very much alive, but It's more of a splish-splash adding to it. Um, so, because actually the girls are more likely to get doused in water. Historically, boys would take <laughs> buckets, and I mean buckets, of water out to the streets and drench unmarried ladies. The more soaked they got, the more likely they would marry their drencher. Wow. That's Damn. a nice one. That's what I was doing wrong. Is this how the wet t-shirt contest happened? <laughs> yeah, here we go. Well, um, what an incredibly stupid question. <laughs> So, uh, well, I can only assume that there are many local varieties of these traditions. So, as I said, there were just sometimes just towns doing this. So, as for my home country, um, there are quite a few traditions. Um, there's, of course, the traditional Easter egg hunt. Maybe, maybe you should tell your home country. She's from Scotland. You, you can't hear that? Seriously? Well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, yeah. for, for, for our listeners, not for myself. We have ways to make you talk. I'll take you out to the fence. <laughs> Thank you, really shot. And this is the last episode that Kevin is hosting at <laughs> Left of the Valley on CIVL 101. Thank you so much. It was yeah. a pleasure. <laughs> okay, make it make it turn pain, painful. It's uh, Germany. So, um, so we have the Easter egg hunt, where children look for, look for the colored eggs and treats in the backyard. We have family gatherings and sporadic on food and cake and booze. Easter bonfires, as in huge piles of twigs and branches that burn for hours, while people gather around for drinks. Yes, drinks. And um, the <laughs> Drinks in Germany, right? Yeah, the, so the beer thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the all-time favorite, Bratwurst, just in case you didn't think of that. <laughs> so, But competing villages are on the warpath for days and try to burn each other's piles down before the actual date. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some regions are actually famous for arranging a passion play. So that's a performance of the biblical story of Jesus' trial, suffering, and crucifixion. So these are actually elaborate productions being performed on stage. But there are also uh, local derivatives where a masked anonymous person carries a solid wooden cross through the streets of a village or a town as a personal attempt of atonement and redemption. Okay. That's happening. So while we're at this fun part, uh, that brings me to the most revolting tradition of public crucifixion with real nails and real blood taking part in the Philippines. Oh. The Catholic Church strongly discourages believers that stick to this practice, but every year hundreds of spectators follow this gory show. And since words fail me, I just stick to the report from the Mirror from March 26th. Actually, it's quite true. They, 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 the church is actually against that, but, you know, it's not stopping them. You know, they decide, yeah, we're just going to do it anyway. Okay. Nothing wakes you up in the morning like nails, <laughs> driving nails through your hand. Forget oh, that cup of joe, man. <laughs> What is it today? Oh. Uh, crucifixion. Excellent. Oh, Let's go there. Okay, so I quote, here it is. Catholic devotees in the northern Philippines were fastened to crosses with 
two inch nails through their hands and feet to mark Good Friday today. And those are not finishing nails, folks. They're actually no. <laughs> good sized nails. It gets better. It gets better. They were filmed screaming in agony as the alcohol soaked pins were hammered into their extremities before they were hoisted aloft with ropes and fabric supporting their weight. Oh, thank goodness. The spectacle, which takes place on the outskirts of Kutut village, began in the 1960s as a small stage play but has since become a popular tourist attraction. Michelle, <laughs> no kidding. Oh, my gosh. Now, do people volunteer or are they chosen? They choose. So, <laughs> But here we go. Michelle DiGastiano, a tourist from New York, said, I never thought in a million years I'd actually see someone alive get crucified. It's quite shocking to see this happen. No kidding. But it's a sight to <laughs> behold because this is a holy week and also my birthday. Oh, what a gift. Which is why it's my first time in the Philippines and enjoying the experience overall. Hundreds of spectators witnessed the bloody ritual about 50 miles north of Manila. Penitents recited short prayers under the sweltering heat before being brought down and taken to a clinic for treatment. Ruben Inaje, 55, has taken part in the crucifixion for 30 years and is the oldest devotee to go up on the cross. He attributes his faith to his recovery from a serious illness when he was young, which is why he continues to be crucified every year. If it was up to me... I would have retired already because I can feel the growing pain from being struck by nails and the weight of the cross. But I'm not going to refuse because if I did, I may, I may end up in the hospital again, he said. It's, it is, there's something mind-boggling about they're proud. You know, this is, this is a badge of honor for these people that do this year after year, the same people, right? And they're proud of it. And there's also something that's very, I don't know how to describe this, but the idea of I've received the favor Therefore, I need to sacrifice something, you know, whether it's blood, whether it's pain. I need to, uh, you know, I, I guess it talks to a very primal part of our thing that nothing's free, right? So God did you, did you a favor, you got to pay him back. You can't just say thank you. It's got to... It's got to be blood, or it's got to be pain. Well, I go and donate blood, but that's a different story, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you know what's painful. Do you know what's interesting um, is that the... Um, the differences between the different religious sects or religious cults, whatever you want to call them, uh, like, for example, the Puritans, and actually to this day some uh, more of the Reformed-based uh, churches don't actually celebrate Easter because it's they don't consider it to be an actual event, same as they never used to celebrate Christmas. They see it as being a, uh, just a pagan holiday. And then you've got the other extreme where you've got, you know, people crucifying themselves just like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oh. Speaking of which, you know, uh, have you guys ever heard the joke of uh, the imam and the rabbi that goes up to the Catholic priest and they say, you know, we're having problems with squirrels in the city and your your church is not affected? How come? How'd you do it? And the priest basically says, well, it's quite simple. We just turn them all into Catholics. They only come to Christmas and Easter now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So while we are in the middle of face palming, let me quickly throw out my last tidbit. Points for you, dear. Oh, dear. So in case you haven't heard, you might like this. There is a war on Easter. No. No, yes, yeah. We do remember, we all remember how Starbucks received a dose of public shaming after changing their cups for the winter season. So personally... Oh, so now I can't say Merry Christmas at Easter either? Yeah, but that's <laughs> so awful. Poor Nancy, you've been denied. Denied. Ooh. <laughs> 
Well, personally, I learned that a snowman is obviously a Christian symbol and uh, removing it from the design is clearly an affront and declares war on Christmas. Now, Cadbury learned in a similar vein that removing the word Easter from the packaging of their chocolate eggs is equally a step towards a war on Easter. Nestle is on par with selling a large milk chocolate egg with quality street inside instead of a quality street Easter egg. So, and ChristianToday.com comments on that. Oh, hold on, I gotta get comfortable for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually not that bad. Oh, really? (laughs) No, really. Um, The giving and eating of eggs at Easter time is one of the festival's pagan aspects, which has been incorporated into the Christian celebration. But now it seems this tradition is returning to its pagan roots. Okay. Are you surprised? No. They actually admitted. Isn't that awesome? Well, the pagans are way more fun than the Christians all the time, anyway. Well, and here we go. Bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> but they have, they, they have their weight uh, working for them in the numbers. The website actually refers to YouGov poll that reveals that around 80% of 2,050 people asked want to keep the Easter on the Easter egg and present the company Meaningful Chocolate, no kidding, who actually commissioned the survey and has been marketing the real Easter egg, including a copy of the Easter story. IrishCentral.com continued that the founder of this company, which is really called the Meaningful Chocolate Company. The Meaningful Chocolate Company. The Meaningful Chocolate Company. I wonder what that means. David Marshall. (laughs) That's the dude who, uh, well, wants to keep the Easter in Easter on the the Easter egg. (laughs) He claims that the decision to remove the word Easter is a deliberate attempt at secularization of the food product. Oh, no. Uh, you mean the seculars are on the march? Yes. Yeah, oh, no. That's terrible. The empire. The seculars are coming. Marshall continued. It's deeply disappointing and shameful that some of the biggest companies in the country are censoring the centuries-old tradition. It shows they're insensitive and uncomfortable with the Christian faith. And here's my favorite. As mentioned above, Christian Today had no problem acknowledging the pagan her- uh, heritage of the egg. But then Irish Central hit me with this gem, and I quote, The egg is extremely symbolic to Christians, often seen as the symbol of Jesus. The hollow egg is seen as a symbol of his empty tomb on Easter Sunday. Oh, God. And the cracking of the egg, egg's shell symbolizes Jesus' resurrection. Whatever fits. Oh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a bit, it's reaching, right? It's, re- it's reaching. Very, very. <laughs> Although I did hear from Christians the whole thing about the uh, the egg representing the Trinity. You know, the yolk and the, the white and the egg being, you know, three in one. What about the skin around the... Oh, no. don't don't ask me. Yeah. Okay. You know that eggs are just... Picking. I only do eggs, a radio show. Just just show. You can make religious symbolism out of anything. It doesn't make any difference. That pencil over there, I'm sure we could you know, have they, some they, religious sim- uh, symbolism attached. But they're to actually it. referring to the hollow chocolate egg. What yeah. were they doing before that? Well, Je- mean, Jesus, Jesus is actually you know Aramaic. If you translate into English, I believe it's Cadbury. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because that, that yeah. So how how do you work your way around the the filled Cadbury cream eggs if they're supposed to be hollow? F- uh, if they have to be a symbol, I'm confused. It's a mystery for greener minds than ours. <laughs> and eggs are actually just the uh, they're actually part of the menstrual cycle for chickens. So I <laughs> they are, and it comes out of a chicken's butt. Yeah. What came first, chicken or the egg? No, oh, bunny. Dear. 
<laughs> no, I'm still I'm still back when when Martina was talking about pagan roots because I'm thinking, gee, that's a great name for a novel, a clothing line, the Cadbury chocolate, pagan roots. I think we ought to incorporate that somehow yeah, in, totally. into our program. I love it, pagan well, roots. Yeah. Well, it it wobbled away from the tomb, right? Yeah. It was kind of since it was it wasn't perfectly round. <laughs> so, I guess in conclusion, great reports by the way, guys. Uh, fantastic, a lot of great information in there, and I sure hope our audience appreciate that. Any interesting stories you guys want to tell about your own past about Easter? I mean, were you guys lectured as kids? For Easter and stuff like that, where were priests taking you to the side, and you know, after they were done molesting you, uh, I'm Man. sorry, after they were done, <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that on CRL, I'm pretty sure. You know what? For me, Easter was really good as a kid because the Easter eggs were actually cool. They were chocolate eggs, and they were full of like Smarties or yeah, like nowadays. You say the Easter eggs are not a good thing? Uh, no, like they're super expensive too, and like they are expensive. Just, they don't. They're just yeah, nope. They were better when I was a kid. <laughs> The good old days. No, the the best part of Easter. I mean, uh, coming from a Jewish background and talking about <laughs> Easter. Well, I can talk about Passover a little bit too. But the the best part of Easter was when my kids were little, and we would buy two or three dozen eggs, and you'd find the coolest Easter egg dye that you could. It used to be in the old days you could just dye them one color, but mm-hmm. then you could get multicolor eggs, and just uh, as a family. Um, event to be sitting in the in the kitchen with your kids and all these eggs and going oh wow this how this came out think how that came out and then you took your little baskets and went to Sunday school or wherever you went and that part of it the secular part of it of people coming together I think was absolutely the most fun and and I really I miss I miss that part of part of Easter I found Easter uh, always a bit confusing because on Good Friday, uh, my family insisted on not eating meat, so fish was served. And that confused me because I was, I thought this is an animal too. So why can I eat this and why can't I eat a pig, for example? And the you have to eat a sea pig. Sea pig, probably. <laughs> and the funniest thing was that since my, my parents used to, uh, well, they, they grew their own vegetables and they had the fair share of, of animals that they butchered themselves. So on Easter Sunday, we would actually eat a bunny. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> I know. Very Kill confusing. Kill the wabbit. Kill the wabbit. The one that was caught being uh, too bunny-like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that takes us to the end of our show. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, for those uh, uh, our audience out there that want to follow us, you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, LATV Podcast. That's the handle. Yep. And you can uh, send us an email at leftatvalleyatoutlook.com or leftatthevalley at gmail.com. Or you can certainly go to our page at leftatthevalley.com. Coming up next week, April 3rd, we are doing a look at childhood obesity. Fantastic. So tune in for that. It's going to be a really great report. Our friend Connie that's been on the weather is going to take the lead on that. And I yep. can't wait yep. to have her back. Thank goodness. Uh, and uh, we got some great shows coming down the, the month of uh, 
April and May as well, including yep. uh, some friends from uh, another atheist podcast, the Legion of Reason. That should be fun. Yep, that's Randy from Alberta. Yep. And then we also have Heretic Woman, who's out of Ontario. That's she right. Is May 1st. Another Canadian. Uh, April 17th, we got Jody Emery for our look at marijuana. Mm-hmm. And uh, April 23rd, I'm not sure what that one is. I, I don't know. That's, I think that's homelessness. Homelessness. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah, it is. And well, I'm also working on trying to bring us here a Sasquatch Hunter, so that should be fun. So stay tuned. Guys, so much. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.